Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, March 20th, and today's episode is Parlay Math Explained. I am going to explain to you guys why if you bet parlays, you are a dum-dum. I am going to explain to you guys why these sports books are trying to push parlays on you so hard. I am going to explain to you guys why these multipliers are actually lost value. We are going to go through all of the math behind parlays. I'm going to try and dissuade you guys from entering parlays. The reason why I got into creating sports gambling podcasts is because I had been betting on my own for 10, 11 years prior to starting the podcast. And I realized with the increased legalization in the space that the amount of people that were claiming to be professional handicappers, sports betting gurus, take my picks on Twitter and go follow them and tell them were actually incredibly irresponsible ways of gambling. It was bad advice. And I felt there were so many people, average Joe Smos, buying into what they were saying, tailing their parlays, doing what they were doing, and costing them themselves their own hard money. So I got into this content creating on the sports gambling side because I saw so many idiots pushing parlays. And I was like, oh my God, facepalm, smacking my head on the forehead like I should have had a V8 this morning. Please don't do that to yourself. And that was why I got into this. I am a straight bets guy. I built my bankroll on straight bets. I only give out straight bets to my tailing community. And we've been historically insanely profitable. I'll be dropping a stats update this week because in three days from now, it is my one year at Sports Ethos. Hey! So before we get into some parlay math, let me uh, tap myself on the back and explain a few things that are going on. One, as I just said, in three days from now, we are approaching my one year here at Sports Ethos. That coincides with this podcast being episode number 101. Now, I did not remember that last episode was episode 100 until I sent Dan the man the file to upload, and I had to tag it as episode number 100. That was a very proud moment for myself. I started this completely as a passion project. I didn't know where it would go. Uh, I was in a tough spot in my life at the time. I was like, I needed something to be excited for, to get my brain a little active again. And I was like, okay, well, I'm already capping games and doing this. Why don't I bring this into the more public sphere and try and do some content creation around it? It has gone incredibly well. I've gotten glowing support. I'm at the point where not just my family and friends are listening to the podcast, and a lot of people actually reach out to me every single day on Twitter about random bets, questions, and things like that. So love the feedback that the pod's been getting. We have been getting so many questions on the podcast the last few weeks. Ever since I released that gambling mailbag episode, I think it's now three weeks ago, I do think out of the 100 and now 101 episodes that I've done, that was the most important episode from the first 100. So if you have not listened to the gambling mailbag episode Please pause this podcast. Actually, you could just listen to it at the end. Go back three weeks back in my catalog and listen to NBA Gambling Mailbag Episode 1. It was about an hour-long discussion between Gibby and myself. We went over so many gambling topics, gambling theory, covered gambling logic, bankroll management, unit distribution, percentage of your bankroll invested in futures markets, how to target certain line movement trends, where to use resources to track the where the lines are moving and betting splits coming in and what indicators truly are and why we call them indicators. 
So definitely go back and listen to that episode. But having come to episode 101 and now having a pretty decent following, kind of exciting. Hopefully, we'll continue to grow, but this has been a great start as we round the one-year mark to have as many people reaching out and listening as we are. It feels really good. So what I need to do on my end is slow things down a bit, realize that we have a bunch of new listeners coming into the space, and I need to repeat some things. I need to quick hit some topics. Given how much feedback I got from the gambling mailbag episode, I realized I need to do more episodes that are just probably... 10, 12 minutes long of just, hey, I'm going to hit this topic for you guys. So we are going to start doing probably a weekly series where I'll drop one episode amongst doing two other Slate Breakdown podcasts that cover gambling topics. Maybe we'll hop into another mailbag pretty soon. But I also think just doing one topic, short episodes, might be the most helpful for you guys. And it might help me on the back end be able to send these things as people continue to send in questions over time that I could just send them a 15-minute episode instead of saying, hey, the answer to your, this question is somewhere in this hour-and-a-half-long episode. So we're going to start breaking down these episodes into shorter, quick-hitting topics. If you do have a topic, please send it in. Today's episode is going to be Parlay Math Explained. Probably should have done this one a while ago, but I would have had to repeat it anyways, given the fact that we've gotten a bigger following I'm way better on the mic. If I go listen to myself on my old episodes, I'm like, this motherfucker sounds so boring. Who would ever listen to him? So if you were listening to me back then and you're stuck with me, I appreciate it. If you are a newer listener, I'll cover those bases on those topics that we hit previously. Like I said, today's episode is Parlay Math Explained. Let's finally get to it. These parlays are absolute traps. Let's start this conversation off by explaining why these sportsbooks and operators are pushing parlays so heavily onto their consumers. Whether you go to FanDuel, DraftKings, Caesars, any of these sportsbooks websites and go on the operator's interface, you will see tons of SGPs, big bold SGP letters, same game parlay. Hey, will these four players score over 20 points for slightly boosted odds? And that boosted odds still likely does not correlate with the implied probability of the bet and still likely gives the house a slight edge. So probably not worth taking. But these operators and sportsbooks want you to bet parlays. They advertise on Bill Simmons' podcast. They advertise on Pat McAfee's show. They have their influencers build parlays that you can ride along with and, and, and go for the ride with a Pat McAfee show on a Thursday night football, for example. They want you betting parlays because the sportsbook makes a much higher cut per parlay bet than they do a straight bet. Let's go over the math. DraftKings was on an earnings call and said, it's in the transcript, it's been reported out, you can listen to it or you can read it, that they make 5% of money for every straight bet that's placed. Now, that is really straightforward math if you come to think about it. If you have a minus 110 line and you're betting 110 to win 100, And on the flip side of that is someone else who bet 110 to win 100 on the other side of that line. Say it's uh, Memphis Grizzlies minus 4.5. So someone takes Memphis Grizzlies minus 4.5. The other person takes, who did the Grizzlies play tonight? Dallas Mavericks. The other team takes Dallas Mavericks plus 4.5. It ends up being a six-point game. Memphis wins. So the 110 from the 
Mavericks better, pays 100 to the Grizzlies better, and then the $10 on both sides is the 5% cut from each straight bet that's placed. The house averaged a 5% cut. That is straight math from a minus 110 line. I could have told you that without DraftKings having told you that. The important part to note in that transcript was that DraftKings reported that they make 30% off of every parlay that is placed. Wow. They make six times more money when you place a parlay as opposed to when you place a straight bet. Now, this is a market. If one person loses money, the other person gains money. In the next episode that I'm going to do, I'm going to explain the different types of bettors in the market. And there are public idiots in the market. I need those people to do what I do. I thrive off those people. I take advantage of those people because although we are all competing against the sportsbook and we all want to win, the sportsbook's operating from the sense of pinning us against each other. So the lines are moving based on the handle that the sportsbook's taken in so that on straight bets, the sportsbook will always have roughly a 5% take-home rate. On parlays, though, when the odds change, when the correlated values change, we're about to go over the multipliers, how the multipliers decrease value, how the hit rate doesn't add up to what the multipliers are willing to give you, even if you were at 55%, not even 50%. We'll go over both of them. There is such clear evidence to show that these sports books are going to be pulling in a lot more money from you betting a parlay as opposed to you betting a straight bet. Now just flip that on its head. If you are the better, you will lose less money or you will potentially make more money if you only bet straight bets and you do not give in to the sucker bet that is a parlay. That makes sense? Even if you hit 55% of your bets, that is some of the math that we are going to go over. That means you are above the 52.4% threshold that you need to be to be profitable if you're betting minus 110 lines. Even if you're hitting 55%, you will not be profitable betting parlays. 55% is an amazing hit rate for gamblers. Professional gamblers hover around 56%. The best of the best are at 58%. If you look at these circa contests and sample size, you'll see the winner of the contest is in the mid-60s because that's a one-season small sample size where some dude got really freaking lucky a few times. It's probably pretty good, but also a big luck component comes into hitting an over 60% rate. If you take a long sample size from any of these professional bettors, they are betting straight bets only, hitting around 56% of their bets, and are profitable taking jabs at the sports market where the value on the bet exceeds the implied probability that the odds correlate. Those are the spots that we are trying to identify. And by submitting parlays, we are losing expected value. We are boosting up the needed implied probability that we need to hit. And we are putting ourselves in a really tough spot. Now, let's go over the math. Let's do everything from a two-leg parlay to a 10-leg parlay. And we will see how dumb it gets if you keep going adding legs. It looks nice. You'll see a nice 11 to 1, 12 to 1, 15 to 1 multiplier. You'll see your you know, $100 bet return 3000 It is not worth it. Let's go through it. A two-leg parlay at standard minus 110 odds. If you put them together, you will get a 2.6x payout. So now we're saying we're correlating. I'm just going to pick off two lines today. 
Memphis Grizzlies minus 4.5, like I just talked about. And Sacramento Kings minus 6. They both sit at minus 110 right now. If you were to combine those two lines together, you would bet $100 to win 260. You have the 2.6x multiplier on your unit. However, let's go through the realistic possibilities of how that plays out. There are three potential outcomes. The Grizzlies can cover and the Kings can cover and you would win the bet. The Grizzlies can cover and the Kings could not cover and you would lose the bet. The Dallas Mavericks could cover, aka the Grizzlies don't cover, and the Sacramento Kings do cover and you still lose the bet. So we have two outcomes in which you lose the bet, one outcome in which you win the bet, three total outcomes, but only a 2.6x multiplier. If you are betting a two-leg parlay and you're in the better seat, you deserve a 3x multiplier. However, the book is giving you 2.6. Now let's go through a three-leg parlay. Now I'm not going to go over examples and all putting together all the possible outcomes, but trust me when I say that there are seven possible outcome combinations on a three-leg parlay. The odds that the sports book is willing to pay you is six to one. So you are losing plus 100 or one unit on the multiplier every time you place a three-leg parlay. If you were to win 55% of the bets that you place into parlays and only played three-leg parlays, you would 5x your multiplier, the sports book would be willing to give you 6x your multiplier, and at correct odds at 50%, you actually deserve 7x on your multiplier. So even if you win at 55%, you are still one unit less than the sports book is willing to offer you as a multiplier, which is also one unit less than the correct odds at 50%. So now you are reducing yourself two units on the multiplier, even if you hit a 55% hit rate, which should be profitable, but if you're putting them into three-leg parlays, you're simply not profitable. Let's keep going and watch this stupidity build on itself. A four-leg parlay gives you a 12 to one multiplier if you bet it in the sports book. There are 15 different outcome combinations. So we just went from a six to seven to ratio, six X on the multiplier, seven possible outcome combinations. Now we're at the point 12x on the multiplier, 15 possible outcome combinations on a four-leg parlay. If you were going to hit 55% of your bets at that rate, you would return 9.9 to 1. You deserve 15 to 1, and the sports book is willing to give you 12 to 1. Even at 55%, you do not want to be betting parlays. Let's go on. A five-leg parlay carries a 24 to one multiplier. Now this looks juicy. We're putting five legs together. We're putting hundred dollars on it and we could return $2,400. It looks really juicy in your bet slip. However, the actual odds on that are 31 to one. There are 31 possible outcome combinations on a five leg parlay. Let's put that in context of some dates and times because 31 is awfully familiar to one month of sports betting, right? 31 days in a month in many of the months. So if you were to put in a parlay, a five-leg parlay every single day of the month, you would be expected to hit it one time. However, they would pay you back like you hit it once in every 24 days, not once in every 31 days. You would lose $2,400. 
a week's worth of bets every single month on the multiplier. Five leg parlays, dumb as rocks. Six leg parlays, 63 possible outcomes, 48x in the multiplier. Seven leg parlays, 127 possible outcomes, 92x on the multiplier. Eight leg parlays, 255 possible combinations, 176x on the multiplier. Nine leg parlays have 511 possible outcome combinations with 337x on the multiplier. 10 leg parlays, and we'll stop after this one, have 1,023 possible outcome combinations, but a 645x on the multiplier. So let's put that 10 leg parlays in like the year situation because 645 is pretty close to 720, which is two years. 1,023 is close to what three years would be. So given some pretty bad rounding here, so if you put in a parlay of the day that's 10 legs every day for three years, you would be expected to hit it one time and be given a multiplier that's worth two years. You would lose a year's worth of value in bets based on the lie that is parlay multipliers. These parlays and these multipliers are absolute traps. The more you get in the multiplier, the more value you are actually losing if you start to compare the payout you're getting to the actual possible outcome combinations that correspond to the bet that you are making. It is never, ever worth it to place a parlay. I have given out probably nearly 700 bets in my one year here at Sportito so far, and I think I've given out four parlays. Now, I've lost all four, as I probably should, but it just goes to show you, we shouldn't be placing parlays. They should be once in a blue moon type situation. I actually think blue moons happen, what, once a month situation? Full moon, blue moon, I don't really know. Not into the lunar cycles as much as I should be. But you should actually probably even do it less than once in a blue moon. Parlay should happen once a year. Have it be a Super Bowl treat. Do not have it be a consistent way that you bet and use your bankroll. Let's wrap up this discussion about parlays with two remaining thoughts. The first thought is going to be about the dumbest thing you could ever do. And the second one is going to be the actual reason why sometimes you should place a parlay. So the dumbest thing that you can do as a sports better, once you've already made the bonehead mood to put in a seven leg parlay, once the first six legs are hit and you're feeling good, the dumbest thing that you can do is hedge or cash out of an existing parlay when it is close to hitting. Just because your parlay is close to hitting and just because you are close to achieving the multiplier of the original bet that you put in does not mean that now is the time to quote unquote lock in profit. You are shooting yourself in the foot. I understand you are locking in profit. I understand in this small sample size theater, you are going to return money. If you are placing parlays and then hedging them or cashing them out when they're close to hitting, it is 
so fucking stupid. You are costing yourself so much in the expected value. We've already gone over hedging. We'll do it again in a future episode. We've already gone over cashing out. We'll do it again in a future episode. Both of those things carry inherently a negative expected value the minute you do it, regardless of the situation. There are some situations that call for a cash out. There are some situations that call for a hedge. If you dare to hedge or cash out a parlay, you are dumb as fuck. Sorry about it. Don't think you got this far into the pod without expecting some tough love to come. You've already accepted to take a hit on the expected value. You've already signed up for that multiplier, which is actually costing you. To then hedge or cash out is costing you even further. If you can't see that, then I don't know what to explain to you. Okay, now that I'm all worked up, let me tell you the actual reason why sometimes you should submit a parlay. And sometimes I do. And why are four of my 700 bets so far parlays? Well, sportsbooks operate as a private business. They don't need to let you bet. They don't. They have maximums, limits. They don't even need to make you bet the limit. They can take me in as a better, and they can take you in as a better, and they could say, hey, we're going to take a $500 limit from Mike, and we're going to take a $7,000 limit from Joe Schmo because we know Mike's a really good gambler. So we don't want to take in too much of his money. We'd rather take more money from Joe because we know Joe sucks. Joe submits parlays. Well, you hear what I just said? The reason why they're going to let Joe bet $7,000 is because Joe submits parlays. If you are somebody who often approaches and plays sports books to the limit, or if you are on an absolute killing spree, throw in a parlay and throw off the algorithm trying to find you. We do not want to be tracked by these sports books and have them limiting our account because we know what we are doing. Clearly. 101 episodes in. Damn near doubled my bankroll in the last year. Clearly, we know what we're doing. We don't want the sports books to know who we are. We want them to think we are public fucks like Joe Schmo. To do that, every now and then, you throw in a parlay. You're not expecting to win it. If you do, great, we could celebrate it. You are going to throw off these tracking algorithms if every once in a while you throw in a dumbass seven-leg parlay. is The only reason to do it is to throw off the computer models trying to find us and limit our winnings. If you do not bet limits, no need to do this. If you are not on a killing spree, no need to do this. If you find yourself in the future on a killing spree and popping limits, tap yourself on the back, donate some of your money to a cause that's important to you, donate some of your time to a cause that's important to you, make yourself feel good for killing the sports gambling industry, and then throw in a dumbass parlay to throw off the tracking operators. That is going to do it for today's episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14. We will be releasing, I think, 
two or three more podcasts this week. I'm going to do a podcast with Gibby and Austin tomorrow, just about fun NBA topics. I'm going to do a slate breakdown sometime later this week, and I think I'm going to be appearing on the DFS Today podcast to do some DFS strategy talk. I will make sure I tweet out all the links so you know where to find me on Twitter, at mfiddle14. See you there, as always. Peace out. And stop fucking betting parlays. Just stop doing it. All right, see ya. Baby, 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 baby.